With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. It was amazing. Like people were here to see me just for me. It's like mini celebrity status. And it's also super cool to actually see the people online come to life and see who's actually interacting with you. But still, it's just crazy that they're here and they want to take a picture with me. And some people like brought me small gifts and stuff. So it wasn't just a hobby. I built it with a purpose, with a vision. This is Finding Founders, a podcast showcasing the vibrant entrepreneurial spirit of Los Angeles and our journey to find the founders responsible. I'm Samuel Donner, and today on the show, we talk to Markeon Benamu, a social media influencer with over 5 million followers across Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. It's hard to put these numbers into context, so I want to play a short clip from when Markeon visited the Philippines. Hi, my name is Markeon, and I have just arrived in the... Okay, so he gave 24 hours notice for this meetup, and this was the response. Hundreds of people showed up for this guy. I literally saw this video 10 minutes before recording this and was like, I have to put this in. And I'm surprised because Markian in person is kind of reserved. When I first met Markian at USC through UCLA's Entrepreneurship Club, he seemed like a nice, hardworking guy. But I would have never expected that he had such a serious following. But he does have a serious following. And he's serious about the business of being an influencer. Where most people see influencers as frivolous, Markian sees them as entrepreneurs that can transform personal brands into businesses. Influencer marketing, which started as a $1.7 billion industry in 2016, is projected to grow to $6.5 billion this year alone. And by 2025, experts predict that it will balloon to a massive $26.4 billion industry. I was fascinated and excited to take a dive into the life of one of those influencers. But to understand where Markian is today, we have to go back to where it all started. I am super lucky to have amazing parents. They have just shaped me as a person, my childhood. We are fortunate enough to, to live in several places, to travel around the world. Um, I lived my first seven years in Russia, which I probably don't remember much because I was seven when I left. The family that Markian grew up in had a profound influence on him. A global traveler practically from birth, Markian's family introduced him to a life that was far different from that of the average person. And the influence of his family extended far beyond their travels. Markian's father instilled in him a strong entrepreneurial spirit, and that entrepreneurial spirit was further communicated when his dad moved the family from Russia to Spain after selling his internet startup that had something to do with farmers and supermarkets, I believe. And then he sold that, and we moved to Spain. I mean, your dad, obviously, entrepreneur. Early on, did you see yourself trying to mimic that in any way, or like, what was that influence like? I've learned everything about entrepreneurship from him. He's super smart about business. Anytime I have problems, I always ask him and he always seems to know the answer, which is annoying. <laughs> As a kid, whenever I was asked, what do I want to do? My answer was businessman. And, you know, my dad would be like, well, what kind of business? Because business is so generic. I just didn't know. I was just like, oh, my dad's a businessman. I'll be like that. Throughout his youth, Markian looked up to and respected his parents. 
In fact, it was the inspiration of his father combined with his amiable nature and strict upbringing that fueled his work ethic. This work ethic initially revealed itself within Spain's favorite pastime, soccer, or as they call it there, football. <laughs> I played as a kid because everyone plays soccer as a kid, especially if you're in Spain. My dad was into it, so I, I liked it. You know, I, I didn't dislike it at all. I definitely liked it. When I was a kid, my dad would be super harsh on me. He would be at the games, he'd like scream at me from the sidelines and all that. It seems like that strictness kind of permeated throughout your early life. Mm, probably, but I never thought it was wrong. I think it's what's built my work ethic, my commitment to whatever I do, probably because of that importance on whatever grades or like soccer is everything you have to do it well there was no like slacking off in my family my life was great we were traveling and okay part of role of being a son in a family or whatever is like you have to get good grades and like okay that's the rule and i got to go by it because i live with my parents i knew what my comparison was what my friends were doing and there was no part of me that wanted to be like oh i want to be lazy like my friend markian's parents had high standards but they never had to fight for him to adopt the values and work ethics they expected. Markian cultivated joy that was sourced internally rather than externally. He found value in the culmination of hard work, whether it be scoring an A on a test or scoring a goal in soccer. Rather than acting as a punitive force, his parents' strictness served as a yardstick for success, a measure to ensure that he was always aiming high. However, in dedicating himself fully to his studies in soccer, Markian began to develop a rather introverted personality. Did that strictness, do you think, have any effect on why you were so shy? I don't know what creates someone's personality, whether it's genetic or environmental, but I was shy either way. It was shy from just like the beginning? Like, did your parents yeah. know, like, oh shit, we have a shy kid, what do we do? Yes. Actually, I think I was seven, my mom bought a book called How to Parent Shy Kids because <laughs> she was so worried. It's just like, wow, I guess I was super shy. But yeah, I would, I would just didn't have, I guess, much confidence as a, as a small kid and just... At what point... Did you want to change that about yourself? Because now, like, you know, in front of me, I see a very extroverted person. And I think, like, a lot of people that see your videos see you as an extroverted person. Probably around I was 14, 15 years old when I saw my friends who were extroverted and outgoing and how easily they connected with people and how at dance parties, I would be the kid at the back of the room, but I would see my friends in the middle just dancing and having a good time and me wanting to be like them but just so shy to dance because like that's a vulnerable thing fear of being judged is what it comes down to and so those moments fueled my journey to becoming a more extroverted outgoing person although he was excelling at school and soccer he felt stunted by certain aspects of his personality he felt that his introverted disposition held him back from fully experiencing life and he wanted to change. But in Spain, he felt shackled by others' perceptions of who he was. He felt as though he didn't have the freedom to change. However, he soon found that freedom when his family up and moved to Hong Kong. It was a big opportunity for me to become a new person. Here I was, 16 years old, having been really shy before and been on this journey of like becoming more outgoing. I had the opportunity to just choose what kind of person I would be. Would I be at a party uh, the one who dances or not. People hadn't seen me before, so they weren't. They can't judge like, oh, wow, look at Mark again. He's like dancing now, look, judging me. So I could decide like, okay, cool. I'm going to be the one who just dances. And people are going to think, okay, well, that's, you know, that's what he does. I never realized how important dancing was to you until you started talking about this. It yeah. seems like so much of your, your pursuit 
of extroversion <laughs> centers around this scenario of yeah. you choosing to dance. And like, I mean, I've been seeing all these dance videos mm-hmm. on like your Instagram and like you wanting to really explore this in the past like couple years. Yeah. Um, why, like, I th- why was dancing so big? Like, why, why is that the ultimate expression of extroversion to you? Because dancing is something that brings so much joy and happiness innately and as humans to just let go and express yourself but is so hard to do because of such a high fear of judgment. So it brings so much joy, but it's so hard to do because of the obstacles. And uh, making that transition is is super hard because dancing is such a vulnerable thing. Yeah, it's super vulnerable. But we all want to do it because it just feels so good. It just makes us happy, but it's so hard. <laughs> Markin realized that dance was the ultimate expression of extroversion. This epiphany also served as a goal. And now he just needed to take the necessary steps to reach that goal. With his sights set, Markian applied one of his key strengths, a knack for observation, to understand the makings of an extrovert. I saw these couple of people, their characteristics, the behavior of extroverts. What do they do? Some of the things that I learned were very uh, open, big personalities, being touchy very touchy i was never like touchy but the power of just touch of just being like hey how's it going and touching someone's shoulder the power of saying someone's name hey sam you know like when i'm doing it's a small subconscious thing that's so powerful and i just uh, i think one of the traits that i'm that i'm happy that i have is being observant so i was i would just observe the things that people would do like extroverts would do and just copy them myself and of course it's not just like you just do it and it's naturally you like okay that's yeah did it feel inauthentic initially yeah for sure and it's totally because you don't how do you like tap someone on the shoulder like is it just like you grab their shoulder is you just you just like point at it or something so these are things that are not natural because you've never done them to people so it it is totally a learning journey and experience uh that just comes through practice and what i've learned or what i've kind of come up with is that is faking it until you become it so doing it so many times that it just becomes you becomes natural everyone has fear of judgment and the goal is just to to be so self-confident that you you just reduce that fear judgment is other people putting their ideas of who you are on you so like what did you fear people labeling you as i don't know particularly maybe just I think it's when you're a kid or just growing up, you, you don't have the maturity or self-confidence to, to know who you are. Uh, so I think it's just, you just want to fit in, you know, whether it's making friends at school, you never want to be like the weird kid. Now it's, it's fine because that's cool to be the weird kid or being yourself is like the best thing you can do. But when you're a kid in a classroom and like, you don't have any friends, it's probably not fun. So I think it's just, just wanting to fit in and just, uh, just have friends and and stuff like that. I think that's generally maybe what fear people have. Markian's nomadic childhood exposed him to lots of diverse cultures and fostered his flexible personality. By the time he moved to Hong Kong, Markian had gotten so used to moving around that this move was a piece of cake. In making this adjustment, Markian learned to make temporary friendships and became very independent for his age. And once he settled in Hong Kong, 
Markian decided to tackle his dream of becoming an entrepreneur with his first startup. The first ever project was called Subscriber Club. I created this monetization platform for YouTubers, and it was with an agency that my dad had created startups with, so I didn't program it. So there was a team taking care of that. I didn't know anything about that. I was um, 15, 16. So 15, you got a team of programmers working in Spain. What, like, how did that feel? Or was it just like, all right, like I'm just doing the next thing? It was um, a big learning experience. The business failed. <laughs> it's not surprisingly. I was, first of all, not 100% committed to it because I had school. I had a bunch of other things. I learned how much commitment is needed to build a startup. Why did you want to build this? Because... I saw an opportunity. I've been, I had been watching YouTube as a kid, you know, a, a lot. And secondly, my dad is an entrepreneur. I had been wanting to explore entrepreneurship and creating something. And so that was a first like opportunity to, to kind of take that seriously. Tell me about your, your dreams of, of what you wanted it to be. And then also what it was like letting that go. I didn't really know what I wanted it to be. I was just excited by the idea of just creating something. Uh, the challenging part was getting like YouTubers on the platform and because it's, you know, you can just create a, a, a website easily, but getting creators on the platform, we actually did have like some of the top like Hong Kong YouTubers uh, on there. So because of this, I started a YouTube channel, but the YouTube channel was created so that I could understand how YouTubers work and to be able to reach out to them. They what were, are the first videos like? Oh, the first videos are just terrible. <laughs> I mean, the first couple of years were terrible in terms of just like quality and just like me as a, a person on camera. So I was a 16-year-old making videos about how to make money on YouTube when I've never <laughs> made money anywhere. <laughs> or like how to make a good thumbnail. And the thumbnail of that video was terrible. <laughs> and so because of the lack of performance of those videos, I quickly realized that people were not interested in the business of YouTube videos. And so that's when I first started exploring like vlogging or like talking to a camera about my life, like being a personality, which did better than the, the business of YouTube videos. One thing that stands out to me about Markian is his ability to learn from failure and quickly pivot towards success. Although the subscriber club didn't work out, Markian used what he had learned from creating a YouTube channel to quickly take advantage of his most unique qualities, specifically his experience as a foreigner in Hong Kong. This gave him the chance to create a new twist on the classic vlog video style. Because there was no English-speaking YouTube channel in Hong Kong. There were local Hong Kongers, YouTubers, who would make videos in Chinese, but there was no like foreigner in Hong Kong talking about his life as a foreigner in Hong Kong and interacting with people on the streets and talking about life and culture. I always built it with a vision, knowing that something may, there may be an opportunity. So much about it is, you know, creating the video, but then if nobody sees it, then what's the point? Another thing that I actually now remember that I did is I would make uh, collab videos with with people in my school but i wouldn't just choose anyone and when i say collab videos i'm saying like the chubby bunny challenge or like trying snacks challenge but i would pick popular kids and so i would, I would get all these like popular kids like people who had a lot of friends on facebook and i'll make the video and i would get them to share it on their facebook page so these popular kids who everyone you know obviously like follow and like see what they're up to would see my videos 
first video in public was giving roses to girls on Valentine's Day. And I'd never made a video like going up to, I, I would never go up to strangers in the first place, let alone to like give a random girl a flower for Valentine's Day. And so I remember my mom being like behind the bushes ready with the camera, me being so nervous, like sweating, like my heartbeat was racing. The whole week I was thinking about this video and just being in the park, like, like needing like 10 minutes before I could just go up to a person and then just do it. I just did it. And I realized, wow, rejection's not actually that bad. People would reject me. Some people would took it. And that was a huge leaving my comfort zone moment, which I think is crucial to, to, to developing as a person. Markian had a natural ability to market himself to the right people at the right times in the right ways. That's a lot of rights. And in an industry as turbulent as social media, it was a pretty impressive achievement, especially at such a young age. In addition to all this professional development, it seemed that the creation of these videos also had intrinsic value for his personal development. It wasn't just about the views. He was experimenting with extroversion within the sandbox of vlogging. It's almost like the presence of a camera gave him license to experiment. A reason to get out of his shell and explore the world in a way that previously he couldn't. Markian's online personality was a representation of the extroverted person he wanted to be. These videos had a personal impact, but he didn't realize how impactful it was to his viewers until his first meetup. I think one of the memorable mom moments was just before I kind of left Hong Kong. My growth had been, you know, just kind of slow, but still upwards. And I did a meetup. And I posted a video on my channel like, hey, guys, like, you know, I'm leaving or whatever. If you want to come meet me, come meet me at this park. I was happy if, you know, five people showed up and then there were 40 people who came. And that was probably the first time that I was ever like a leader in terms of like people are here to see me. I'm expected to lead the whatever is going the meetup or whatever. You know, we all sat in a circle, you know, talked about each other, you know, took photos and all that. And it was an awesome experience. What was it like bringing that into the real world? Because sure, you were making videos and like, mm -hmm. like that was part of, you know, like the real world. But then you're seeing the people that were just numbers on a screen in real life. What, what was that like for you? It was amazing. So cool. Like people were here to see me, like just for me, pretty much. It's like, uh, like little mini celebrity status. It was, and it's also super cool to actually see the the people online come to life and see who's actually interacting with you. But still it's just crazy that they're here and they want to take a picture with me. And some people like brought me small gifts and stuff. So it was like, wow, this is so cool. What kept you going? It wasn't just a hobby. I built it with a purpose, with a vision. And again, I didn't know what it would become. Having seen my page just growing, you know, helped me like be like, okay, I'm not just like stuck at whatever number I am. And so I think it was because I built it with kind of like a purpose rather than just like a hobby. Markian was gaining popularity within Hong Kong, but eventually he had to head to college. He sought a place where he could find an enlivened sense of community and an open-minded curriculum. And he looked no further than the U.S., he didn't quite realize it at the time, but his choice to go to school in Los Angeles would skyrocket his career. I had no idea what USC was because it's not known internationally and yeah, then decided to go there. <laughs> I wasn't applying to colleges because of LA particularly, but it was a great, great benefit of 
going to school here. And now my mindset would have totally been like, yeah, LA is the place to be, especially for what I'm doing. But again, I wasn't doing this like I do it now. College is a time of transition. And Markion's extraordinary adaptability propelled him through this transition and gave him the stamina to work through the creative process and curate some new content. So the summer before USC, so just after I graduated, I had stopped making vlogs as a Hong Konger because I wasn't living in Hong Kong. So I was in a transition of what am I going to make now? And I tried a bunch of small things. I tried like making a vine or something that didn't work. And then I made a couple other like vine related videos. Didn't work. And then I made one video which changed the game. And it was called What It's Like to Have a Sister. It was a comedy skit and it had like 100 million views, blew up my page, my Facebook page from 50,000 to about 300,000 in a month. And that was my sign to be like, well, I guess I'm making comedy skits. And the reason why I was a little different from the Vines was I made list format videos, meaning it wasn't just like one scene of what it's like to have a sister. It was like four or five scenes in a one minute video, super relatable, super shareable. And that started my journey of comedy skits. When I started USC, that was the new type of content I was making. That 100 million views is insane. Yeah. What was it like seeing those numbers rise and rise and rise? Mama, we made it. <laughs> it was crazy. It was so like satisfying because it wasn't something that happened in the first month of making videos. It was two, two and a half years into it. And finally, it was like, wow. Like now it's time for fast growth, not just like slow growth, like a thousand followers a month or something. Now it's like fast growth guided me to making comedies because like, okay, cool. This works and this is what I'm going to be doing right now. And so I just, I saw something that worked and just uh, kept going with it. While this success was incredible, it didn't mean that the business was successful. Markion viewed what he was doing as an entrepreneurial endeavor. As such, he needed to ensure simultaneous growth in his following and his ability to monetize that following. Markion sits at the intersection between creativity and business, and he has to emphasize business, but also fuel his creative side. I've never made videos that have made me unhappy so that they do well kind of thing. Meaning I wouldn't make a type of video that I would hate to do, but it does really well. I've always treated it like a business, so that's always kind of come first because it is a business and that's how you need to treat it if you want it to be successful. There was always heavy reliance on views, on subscribers. Like that was that was never something that would that I would have not been paid attention to. I was always always paying attention to that. But I was making the video, so I was also the creative side. So it's doing both and always just like staying on track and like focused on, you know, what's the purpose or like what's the goal. And for me it was just Make, keep making sure it grows. One big point is that I was still making zero dollars. So we didn't make it that big. <laughs> didn't make it that big. The only like validation you could say is like social proof. Like now my, like after that video posted, I had like random messages from old friends like, Hey, how's it going? <laughs> That's all your video. So, so I was still like a normal kid. Like I'm still going to university. I wasn't, you know, again, it wasn't making any money. So reaching out to brands, I would do that. Even in Hong Kong, when I had 10,000 followers I'd reach out to brands I would, I would do sponsored videos or I would I would reach out to like a trampoline company being like hey I'll make a video for like $50 or $100 
so yeah, from the beginning, I was finding opportunities to make money, but it wasn't like enough to, to live off of it by any means. Brand deals were the only way that I would monetize because Facebook didn't have ad revenue back then. Ad revenue and brand deals are probably the main source of income for influencers. That's the business model. All goes back to how many followers you have, how many views you get. So that's the model, which has its flaws. I would do small brand deals. Facebook, I you would expect like, oh, three, I have like half a million followers now. Like I'm getting lots of brand deals, but reality is not because Facebook marketing for brands isn't super big. Markion had a keen understanding of the business side of content creation, an understanding that honestly was ahead of its time. But his piecemeal approach to monetization through individually sponsored videos only ensured a pretty inconsistent revenue stream. But more opportunity was around the corner. And so when did more things come? When Facebook started monetizing with ad revenue. The business was starting to make more money. I was starting to put less importance on brands because it was more unpredictable. And then it was making enough for me to basically like sustain myself as a living. I decided to become a part-time student. How is it managing doing all this video work and being a student? It was hard. And that's the reason why I dropped out is because school was hindering my business. Freshman year, I did school. I was making videos here and there, but then summer came around and I made I made a video every day of July 26, 2017. And my page just grew so fast, had incredible growth. And then classes came back around and everything just dipped. It just slowed down immensely. And that's when I realized like school's taking away from this opportunity. So I got to choose one or the other. And the opportunity for social media is now because if I'm not if I wait until two, three years after I graduate, it won't be there anymore. That's when I decided to be a part-time student for one semester and then eventually just uh, leave. Were your parents, like, concerned at all? No, that's why. My parents actually encouraged me to leave, almost. They were totally okay with it, and it wasn't a hard decision. Markian made a decision that for many would be incredibly difficult. But with the support of his family and the encouraging growth of his social pages, he was ready to dive fully into what he loved. This split from the academic world allowed Markian to go into full production mode, dedicating every waking moment to bettering his craft as an influencer and entrepreneur. It was really this moment of clarity that enabled him to go from a kid making some successful videos into someone making a living as an influencer. But that title of influencer also carries a bit of baggage. I remember seeing one of your videos, you said you prefer being called a creator and not an influencer. What kind of like baggage comes with being called an influencer? I mean, I think in, like Instagram, like influencers, I don't know why it's Instagram specifically, but they've kind of built this small stereotype of influencers calling themselves influencers. Uh, like, I don't know, maybe it's like entitled or something. So you'll find that a lot of creators might just call themselves creators, but in an industry or professional setting, like my title is along the lines of like influencer, but maybe not necessarily what I would call myself. Do you see people treating you differently when they know? Because like, I feel like one of the most recognizable forms of social currency mm -hmm. today is social media. True. So, and you have a lot of it. So <laughs> yeah. do you see people treating you differently because of that? Maybe in small ways, like more curiosity about me when I, or when they find out. A lot of times they wouldn't find out because it's not something that I would just bring up. Why don't you bring it up? Because one, uh, not necessary to bring up. Like, why would I just be like, oh, by the way, I have this many millions of followers. And then if they want to check it out for themselves and they'll find it. 
And actually a response that I get a lot is like, they might like look at it after and be like, wow, Markian, like I never would have expected or like why you never share, you never share that or like you're so humble or something like that. Cause it's weird. Cause like the whole thing about growth is like the most eyes on yourself as possible. Yet like you're like saying like, no, like you, like you want to be in as many eyes as possible in yeah. like the social world, but like in the real world, you're like, oh, like, you know, who cares? True. Um, that's only because if I were to tell one person how many followers I have or what I do probably wouldn't change much. But if I have a meeting with, I don't know, Gary V and, uh, I'm going to bring up how many followers I have cause that's validation or proof or whatever credit or do you think there's a difference between your on camera persona and yours, like you marking on in real life and like, what's the biggest difference? Yeah. So in my comedy skits, I play generally well, I'm, it's a lot of improv acting, which is fun. And so I play very over the top. I guess that's the type of acting that I do. And in real life, I'm say I'm more like introverted. Are people surprised when they meet you? Like, do you feel like any pressure to be that on camera person? I don't know. I think because they know it's acting, meaning I'm not vlogging in my comedy skits. So it's not like, wow, when you talk in real life, it's different when you talk in a video because I'm not because I'm clearly like acting in it. Markion is clearly not creating his content for the clout. He finds an innate sense of joy from inventing new creative concepts. I'd like to point out something interesting that Markion glosses over. A lot of vloggers display an exaggerated version of themselves, and when you meet them in person, they seem subdued. I believe this is because vlogs are supposed to be displaying reality, and yet that's just not true because you can't cherry-pick reality, and that's exactly what a vlog does. The dissonance between reality and the vlog can feel disingenuous. And because Markian focuses on skits, there isn't an expectation that the exaggerated version of himself corresponds to reality. Thus, he is able to bond with his followers in a more real and genuine way. Using this bond, he wants to spread a simple message. To smile. So my theme with all my videos, like you said, is making people smile and having a super positive message. I think that came about, one, because it's in line with like my personality and just being like a nice, sweet kid. Uh, secondly, I needed to find some sort of positioning, like what, or a purpose. What do, I, what do my videos stand for? And I think that's the trait of successful creators is they have a strong purpose. The reason why I wanted smiling to be my thing is, first of all, I realized the power of smiling. And a smile is the easiest, fastest way to break down barriers. And partly it's something that I learned through my introvert to extrovert kind of journey. And I think it's just a, a message that's super needed nowadays, especially with how negative social media is. So I think all around is just a great message that I've really enjoyed to, to spread and, and share with others. But I have like, like 10 in my drawer and that's all I wear pretty much. Markion uses the message of keep smiling as a positive light within a platform clouded by negativity. He has taken the experience of living in diverse places, interacting with different types of people, and moving through his own struggles as a shy kid, and put them into projects that he really thinks could change the landscape of social media. He's excited for what's to come. My priority at the moment, uh, the project that I've been working on, is actually using my platform to help small creators grow. And actually it ties into it, because what I learned, like I said, the biggest flaw of an influencer is your income, your growth, is limited to how many videos you can make which is why the goal is to make more videos, which is why I've, I've built a team so I can delegate work. And secondly, finding small creators to basically, one, help them grow by using my platform because I have the fan base. And I've been finding up and coming 
comedy creators and actors to basically make comedy skits with me and actually eventually have them post their own comedy skits on my page. So it helps them and helps me. So the whole, everything grows as a whole. The smile movement is the core of everything, having a positive message. So, um, yeah, that's actually what I've been focusing on. And I have one creator that his name's Kurt. He's, he's awesome. I've been making a couple of videos with him and, um, yeah, on the search for one or two other comedy creators. Markian is young and hungry. He is full of not only tangible ideas and goals, but also insane stamina and determination. He's been doing this nonstop for the past five years. Also, it was encouraging to see that his next goal wasn't revolving around himself, but instead he was focused on uplifting young creators. So we were curious to see what advice he has for those young creators and entrepreneurs. I think just being kind. It's so powerful. It's so simple. And just goes so far, like goes a long way. I mean, it sounds so broad and generic, but just smiling is part of that because it's one of those just small steps that you can do that you just makes life better, makes life happier, allows you to connect with other people better. So that's probably what I would say. Talking to Markion was interesting, not just because he is a captivating founder, but because he is a friend of mine. Listening to the interview again, I heard a unique intimacy in our conversation that allowed us to look at Markian not just as an entrepreneur, but as a person. I want to dwell on something we talked about a bit earlier. I mentioned that early on, Markian found intrinsic value in making videos because it allowed him to work on being more extroverted. This idea is so important to any endeavor. You can't solely enjoy the culmination of your work. You have to actually enjoy the work. You have to love the process. Another example comes from my own life. I also used to make videos, but soon found I was creating content for views and not for myself. I felt good when other people enjoyed the content and that external locus of control was detrimental not just to my mental health, but also to my enthusiasm towards making more videos. One of the reasons I started this podcast is because I found that in creating an episode of Finding Founders, I loved all aspects of the creative endeavor. I loved interviewing entrepreneurs because I could directly learn from their experience. I loved editing down the sequences because I could mull over their advice and life even more. I loved writing the script because I could analyze, reflect, and incorporate the advice and message of that entrepreneur. Suddenly, all aspects of the creative process were intrinsically enjoyable, and the fact that other people liked it and it was viewed and lauded was just the icing on the cake. Loving the process is what has kept me going and I'm excited for it to continue. So I have some advice for you. Don't gruel through the process. Find a way to enjoy it. Try to enjoy it. Sometimes you have to completely change what you're doing, but often you just have to shift your perspective to one of an eager student. Markion's story reminded me of all this, and I'm grateful. Thanks. Hey, 
This episode was a blast to put together, and I want everyone who was part of putting together this episode to tell you what they did. So without further ado, here's the Finding Founders team. Hi, my name is Adrian Tapia, and I was the lead producer for this episode. Hi, my name is Sophie Davies, and I helped write the script for the voiceover. My name is Charlotte Isidore, and I worked on the editing and helped write the script for the voiceover. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Bowen, and I helped edit and make the voiceover script. Hi, my name is Dharma Shah, and I helped edit and add music. Hey, my name is Luke Riggin, and I edited part of this episode. My name is Sahaj, and I helped edit and find music for this podcast. My name is Maddie Boson, and I helped edit this podcast.